Contact Center Focus, the Reality Training Podcast. Ah, oh, Bob, been looking for you. Have you got a minute, please? Um, I'm sorry, Jeremy. I'm just dealing with a customer and uh, it's taking a bit longer than I thought. Yeah, well, something else is taking a bit longer than I thought. There's a report due on my desk. I know, and I'm nearly there with it, but I just had to serve this customer. It was really important, and uh, I uh, took the time to, to do that. Okay, well, you're nearly there with leaving the company, okay? What? So I suggest, yes. I suggest you get that done. You drop everything else. Forget the customer. I need the report. I'll give you, I'll give you 25 minutes to complete it. Oh. And less of that attitude. Thank you. So, lovely, lovely boss there. Lovely. We're talking about, uh, well, you tell them what we're talking about, Bob. So this is episode two of our series about drives, the things that help people collaborate and work effectively together. And the last episode was on the subject of discretion and empowerment and making sure that people feel that they can make decisions. And clearly what we heard there was an example of somebody who wasn't able to make their own decisions. And that was because of the role that they had. So here we have a boss and we have a underling. And roles is all about the relative status of an individual in an organization. Now, in that instance, this individual was misusing their status, their role, to exercise their power, to exercise control, to be bullying, dominating, in a way that you would hope these days is is less in evidence. But sadly, of course, it still exists in many, many places. And when someone's role is misused and their power is misused, then you are going to have people retreating from their job, from the people that they're working with. They'll be less collaborative. They'll be less inclined to stay with that organization. And it's going to cause you major, major problems. So that's the negativity that can come from a problem where a role is is misused and the power that it has. Jeremy, let's have some positivity now. What can people yeah. do with roles and status? Well, my number one thing with roles is there are many different roles in an organization. And if you are right for the role, it's because of a strength that you have. And I'd also like to, to suggest that now we've done our A-levels and we've done our degrees and our GCSEs, we don't have to endlessly finesse our weaknesses. And I'm not saying that means you don't have to do things you must do. But what you want is an organization where individuals are playing to their strengths. And that means if somebody has responsibility for a certain output, decision, task, something they're exercising, whatever it is, they should be given that. It's defined that they are the person who does that. Where collaboration breaks down is when you have endless committee decision making, people chucking their tuppany bit in. One of the reasons why Bob and I gave up marketing, we couldn't discuss fonts for much longer and shades of blue with people who didn't really understand it. So let people make the decisions that they should make. Let them play their roles without just saying, oh, I'm interested. Can I have a look? I want to input on that. You can't have too many decisions. I think the committee decision making liquidates roles and causes delays in organizations hugely. So if you think about a typical contact center where you have teams of advisors, team leaders, sales managers, heads of site, various heads of who manage the different parts of that contact center, what you have there is a classic hierarchy. And sometimes that hierarchy will have certain managers in offices with the doors closed. Some of them will sit on the sales floor with the people that are doing the work. Some of them will be in endless meetings where they're constantly in a room 
where different groups of people come in and out all day, and that's how they run their time. And within that hierarchy are different responsibilities and different sign-off. So a team leader has a relatively low amount of power, but they can decide timings when people work and days off and stuff like that. Sales managers, it goes slightly wider, and um, they can decide on other things, developmental needs, etc., and sign those things off and disciplinaries and, and that sort of thing. And then when you get to heads of, they have the power because they are in charge of the profit and loss of that organization. So that's where the different levels are. But that's their responsibility. It doesn't mean that they cannot be collaborative through that hierarchy from an advisor all the way up to the top. There's no reason why you can't have a advisor talking to a head of going, I've noticed something which is really interesting. Why would you have to go through the stages of management to get to that person? And it's interesting, we talk a lot these days about open door policies. You can always come and talk to me, except when the door's shut or when I say, sorry, mm. I'm really, really busy. And so lots of people misuse their status in that way, pretending to be all-encompassing and wide-reaching, but actually they're not. Jeremy? Well, uh, just my, my one line on that is don't ask for people's opinions if you don't want them. Because as soon as you do and then you don't listen to them, then you're creating a culture where I've said many times we'd like this to happen. No one ever listens. So stop asking for opinions if you don't want them. Also, I think what happens is that when you have a hierarchy, you have a massive danger of Chinese whispers. So mm. a team leader will say to the team, what's going on at the moment? And the team will say, oh, it's really tough at the moment. People are really struggling. So the team leader thinks... God, I've got to report that back to my sales manager. So they'll modify that and they'll say, it's a tougher period at the moment, but uh, we're still managing to get some success. So they'll spin it slightly. The sales manager thinks, oh, I've got to go and sit down with the head off about this. So they'll go, yeah, a few successes to be, to be pleased about, but definitely a tougher time. So they'll put the positive on, on top. The head off has to go to the board and explain what's going on without actually having the truth from mm. that person on the front line. So that's with the, the danger of a hierarchy. Why can't the head of go straight to an advisor and go, tell me straight, what's going on at the moment? What are you hearing? What are the things that are coming across? So specifically in contact centers, another thing to do with your role is, well, it seems to be happening to lots of people I'm talking to and working with. They're on projects. And I go, okay, what's the project? Well, as well as my day job, I'm doing this. Now, what might be a good exercise to do is to, I don't know, every six months, write down what your role has been. Mm. What has your role involved you in? What has it taken you into? And you write this all down. And then you cross-reference back against the thing you were engaged to do. Now, what is stored in HR? Is it that you're doing this when actually you're doing this? And actually, maybe you get a chance to rewrite and actually recreate what these roles are. Because Bob and I, with our teenagers, are told that when they're leaving school, which they are, that the jobs that they're doing in the future won't be so well defined. They actually need new, a complete rewrite. So what are you actually doing and what is your role? And if that needs some discussion and maybe a discussion about what you're paid, the hours you're expected to do it because of these special projects you're on within this contact centre, just be aware of where things are morphing to. Be aware of that. If you are an, an advisor listening to this, think about, what is your role? What's the next role up? How many layers of a hierarchy are there between you and the people at the top? Is there a true communication and sharing culture or not? What could you do to foster that? Now, let's spin that to the people who are at the top. It's 
possible and probable that you're not getting the full story from the front line. If you think you've got an open door policy, but you're not getting all the relevant information, what does that mean? What do you need to do to get rid of those levels and have open communication, which is going to help you do your job? So each side can do something about this. And I'll come back to something we've mentioned in other podcasts. A job title is just a job title. And Jeremy makes a very good point about what your job actually is, is often very different to what it's actually down as. Of course, a contact centre advisor can influence policy, plans, prices, strategy. Of course they can, because they're speaking to customers. And of course, the person at the top needs to make the decision about that, but they need reliable feedback and data from the people who are speaking to customers all the time. That's why that open communication is so important. And if you're a manager who's listened to this and think, I actually do misuse my status a bit, change. Change the way you use your status. You don't need to be a bully. You don't need to be hard on people. You need to think about what's the most valuable thing for them to spend their time on and back them in that activity. Great. So that's your roles. Get your roles right. Everybody knows what they're doing and knows what everyone else is doing. It's going to foster greater collaboration. Thanks for listening. Please forward this to somebody who can benefit from it. Bye. 